Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. We're starting today a new series which is on the subject of rest. How do we live um, a life from a place of rest? You're probably all aware that that's something that's vaguely kind of part of being a Christian, but maybe it's not always our experience, so that's what we're doing. Um, and we're going to be looking at, over the course of, sort of the next few weeks and then run up to Easter, some lifestyle stuff, some practical things about what does it mean to live from a life of rest. Um, but w- what we're launching off with today is what I'd say is, is the heart of it, really. Uh, this message today is the heart of, of this message of rest. So this is a really important one. During the, during the lockdown back in 2020, I was chatting to my neighbour, Jeff, over the garden fence. Um, it was a time when we had lots of chats over garden fences, wasn't it, if you remember? Uh, all stuck at home. And um, we were talking about how challenging, you know, what we were all living through was. But how, at the same time, there seemed to be a few positive lessons that it was teaching us. We were kind of philosophising about the positive things that um, the lockdown was teaching us. We'd all had to slow down, hadn't we? We all had to kind of learn to live life more in the here and now. Kind of we'd all had to sort of yield to the fact that we weren't as in control of our lives as we thought perhaps that we were. And, you know, we were having a sort of kind of positive conversation. And I quite hopefully at the end of it sort of said, well, I hope that these things actually, you know... (laughs) I hope these things change society for the better. You know, um, and 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 I hope that we learn some sort of permanent lessons from this. The whole thing concluded with Jeff saying, "No, Owen, no, we're not going to learn our lessons. You mark my words and wait and see. We're all going to get back to how things were before. Everyone's going to return to how things were before. We're not going to learn the lessons." Which I kind of thought that's a bit that's a bit of a negative view of uh, humanity. Well. Over the last few months, I think I've had to conclude that in many ways, Jeff was right. <coughs> He'd be very happy to hear you say that. He would, wouldn't he? He would. Uh, the, the pace of life, the demands of life, they seem to have returned to pre-pandemic levels. Um, I kind of noticed it through, through last year, really. It sort of seemed like diaries were becoming fuller again. Spare time was reduced. And it seems like our appetite for a fast-paced, busy lifestyle has well and truly been revived. <laughs> And this isn't surprising because of the society that we live in, right? We live in a 24-7 connected society with a 24-7 constant global news cycle. You can get up at any point in the day or night, you can check the front page of the news and you can get up-to-date news from all around the world, most of it not great. And of course we have advertising, don't we, telling us to fill our lives with more and more things. That's what we need to be fulfilled. And of course this affects us, this affects all of us, but it affects us who are believers in God and and people of faith as well. We can feel that we're on the treadmill, we can feel that the pace is speeding up, that there's nowhere to get off, that there's no time to think, that the classic phrase, not enough hours in the day. Who here can honestly say that they've never said that or thought that? It makes us harassed, it makes us stressed out. I was a bit of a tester of this. Let me just ask you, for, for those of you who um, have had your COVID booster uh, back in the um, autumn term, 
Do you remember that 15 minutes that you had to sit there and wait in the reception afterwards? Here's a little tester, okay? How did that 15 minutes feel for you? Did you sit there serenely at your resting heart rate, meditating on, on mindfully on your surroundings and just enjoying a bit of space? Or was that the longest 15 minutes of your life? Did you feel like, oh, I can't believe I've got this dead time to sit through. I, ca I can't believe that I've got to sit here and not do anything. Did you fidget? Did you play with your phone? Well, if, if it was more like that for you, then perhaps that's a sign that this 24-7 connected society busyness is affecting you. And here's what this does for us as Christians to our relationship with God. I've actually got a little visual to show this, if you can see. Um, this kind of, there's a cycle of what happens to our relationship with God. Don't worry if it doesn't come up, I can just explain it. What happens is that Christians get assimilated into a culture of busyness, hurry and overload. What then happens is that God becomes marginalised in our lives, which obviously leads to a deterioration in our relationship with God, which then increasingly leads us to adopt secular assumptions about how to live. There's lots of advice out there, isn't there, about you know, life hacks, you can get apps, you can get magazines, about how to uh, de-stress, how to unhurry your life. But what that then leads to is more conformity to the culture of busyness, hurry and overload. And it becomes a cycle. And before we know it, our relationship with God has just, has just diminished. Corrie ten Boom famously said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Busyness can make us feel weighed down, can make us feel tired, can make us feel far from God. What we need is to learn God's way of living from a place of rest, God's rest. But for some of us, it's not just busyness that, that weighs us down. For some of us, perhaps that's not our issue. It's more the hurts, the bruises, the wounds of life that we carry that can make us feel heavy-hearted, that can make us feel burdened. And, you know, we have a huge mental health problem in our society. Anxiety, depression, these are things that can, can affect us. They can make our hearts feel heavy. They can make us feel burdened. And none of us is unaffected by, by the challenges of life. What we need is to learn God's way of living from a place of rest. God's rest. Or maybe it's the weight of our own sin that we feel. Maybe it's a sense of, I can't seem to shift this sin. I can't seem to uh, live the way I want to. I, 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 I keep messing up. I, I can't quite change these patterns. It can make us feel weighed down again. I wonder if you can relate to any of that. Well, as I said, this is why we're launching this series today. I believe that if we can really grasp this idea about rest as a way of life, as an alternative to way to what the culture offers, the rest that Jesus offers, I believe that we can, if we discover God's ways in this, not only will we enjoy life more and will our lives be healthier, but we'll enjoy the grace of God more and be more fruitful in actually carrying his presence and his rest to a stressed out world. So Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11 
Verses 28 to 30 has never been needed to be heard more than right now. So that's, that's our passage for today. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't live in our 24-7 technological world, but he knew how demanding life could be. He grew up in a poor family, what you might call a just-about-managing family. He knew the pressures of having to make ends meet, even though he was the son of God. He knew times when literally thousands of people at once wanted a piece of it. He knew the pressure of the crowd and of people's expectations. There were times when he worked to a schedule, when, like when he sent out the 72 ahead of him to the places he was about to go. It was clearly a bit of a schedule he was following, but there were also times when he seemed like he was just on a mission, like when he was heading to Jerusalem and his disciples were astonished at his determination. There were times where he seemed to be busy dawn till dusk. So, so how did Jesus have rest to give? How, did he, how was he able to offer us rest? A key answer to this is actually held in the, the few verses before verses 28 to 30. Jesus says this absolutely, if you think about it, utterly astonishing phrase in verse 27. He says, no one knows the Father except the Son. Now, a lot of people have, have known God in their life and have been teachers of, of, of God's ways. And there's many, many religious leaders out there. Gandhi, when he was on his deathbed, apparently was asked... You know, teacher, you've been searching for God all of your life. Have you found him? And he said, with great humility, he said, no, I'm still looking. Jesus is the only person in history, really, who's never had to say that. No one knows the Father except the Son. There was something special about Jesus' knowledge of God. He didn't just know everything there was to know about God. He knew God. There were things about God the Father that only Jesus seemed to know. And he must have been walking around, watching all these people, especially the religious leaders, trying to, trying to work out the way to God. They didn't seem to have the same awareness that he had. You see, the teachers of Jesus' day, they taught this Torah expertise and this piety that was out of the reach of the average person. They said you had to be a scholar. They said you had to be trained in the language and literature. And only such people truly understood the ways of God and therefore were able to reveal him to ordinary people. The Pharisees were even spoken of as people who carried, were called by God to carry the yoke of the Torah. The weight of God's law. Look at what Jesus says to that in verse 25. He said... He prayed this prayer to the Father. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. And then he says, my Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then in the same sentence, he says, Come, all you who are weary 
and burdened and I will give you rest. Incredible invitation. Jesus is choosing to reveal the Father to anyone who will come to him and receive like a child. We get to know God by relationship, living in his presence, listening to his voice and learning from him like an apprentice does. Little people know this. It's simple. It's not hard to understand. It's it's childlike faith. That's what we need. So Jesus, if you can see it like this, he was like a window to the Father. When you looked at Jesus, you looked through a clear window. Or, or like when you look into a crystal clear pool of water with no ripples on it, and you can see clearly what's through there. That's what you saw when you looked at Jesus Christ. You saw God the Father as through a clear window, crystal clear. You know, when we try and think about God and look at God, sometimes it can be muddied, can't it? Sometimes it's muddied by these burdens that we carry. Sometimes it's, it's not clear. Jesus is a window to the Father. That's why he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Because when human beings truly connect to their creator, there's rest. There's rest from all striving. There's rest from all sense of trying to be someone, trying to attain some sort of target, trying desperately to, to, to keep up with the pace of other people and with society. It all blows out of the window when we're in the presence of our wonderful creator God and this 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 phrases that Jesus says here it, it, it gives us a real insight into his inner life amazingly this is the only place in the whole of the gospels where Jesus actually talks about his heart um, so you know there's lots of descriptions about his his ministry about the things he did about the things he said sometimes it talks about his, his emotions um, but it never actually says this is who I am. Like if he, was, if he was setting up a web page and it had an about me section, it would say gentle and lowly. Like that, that, that's Jesus' heart. That, that, that's what he reveals to us here. It's something very precious and very unique in the whole of the Gospels. You know, the heart, the Bible talks about the heart, doesn't it? It's the centre of who we are. And Jesus is saying, if you look at me, if you look at the centre of who I am, you see that I'm gentle and humble in heart. What does this mean? Gentle. It's the same word as, um, as is used in the blessed of the meek in the, in the Beatitudes. It's blessed of the meek, blessed of the gentle hearted. Jesus was equal with God, but he didn't grasp after that. He was humble. Jesus was not harsh. Jesus was not reactionary. The posture, as one writer puts, the posture most natural to him was not a pointed finger, but open arms. This is so important to get hold of because sometimes... When we think about our, our burdens or we think about our performance, sometimes we can feel like, surely Jesus kind of looks at me through a bit of disgust. Or we can say, oh, well, God the Father, he accepts me because he sees me in Jesus. I'm dirty and I'm filthy, but when he sees the purity of Jesus, then he just about manages to bring himself to love me. That's sometimes how we can see it. It's not like that at all. The heart of God is 100% towards broken, sinful, weight-bearing people like us. You know, his heart in action, his gentleness and his lowliness in action, what did it lead him to do? It led him towards sinners, not away from sinners. Jesus isn't repulsed 
by us. He, he loves us. He comes towards us. He desires to seek and save the lost. When he sees sin and brokenness, when he sees people who are, who are weary and burdened, he comes towards them because he loves them. Lowly is the same phrase that's used in Luke 1.52, the same phrase that Mary uses when she says, you know, those who are of a humble estate. But Jesus, you know, he's high and exalted, but he's not unapproachable, quite the opposite. He is accessible. There's no hoops to jump through with Jesus. There's no bar to reach with Jesus. To be enfolded into his embrace, all you have to do is come with your burdens and receive his rest. Jesus is full of tender kindness. And that's really the heart of what it means to live in rest. It's to come. It's to accept this invitation. And I I really feel that's all we need to do this morning as a response. We need to accept the invitation of Jesus afresh. Um, In a minute, we're going to, you know, we've got a bit of time. We're going to return to being in the presence of God and worshipping. And we have an opportunity to just uh, engage with Jesus, perhaps afresh, perhaps bring those burdens to him again and, and receive his love. But firstly, before we do that, I just want to talk about this idea of a yoke. Because a yoke is obviously a big burden that goes on your shoulders. It's what oxen use you know, when, when they were plowing. Um, so it's kind of funny to talk about rest and to talk about it being easy, but to talk about a yoke. Because a yoke is by nature heavy. Obviously, Jesus probably made loads of yokes in his time as a carpenter. He would have known what a good yoke was. But this yoke that he says is, is very different from a physical yoke. It's really like a non-yoke. Yeah, the, the, the Pharisees talked about the yoke of the Torah, the burden of God's law. But Jesus, when, he, when we yoke ourselves together with him, here's us with his yoke on, he's, he's there with, next to us. <laughs> it's almost like what helium does to a balloon. That's the effect of the yoke of Jesus. It's... It lifts our hearts. It, it, it buoys us. And that's because he's filled with endless gentleness and love and goodness. When we, when we sometimes confess Christ, but actually what we're, not, we're not really accepting this invitation, we're avoiding deep fellowship with him, and that can be sometimes through busyness. It can be sometimes through uh, trying to go it in our own strength. What that means is we're almost like a drowning person who is thrown a life raft and then says, no, 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 it's hard enough drowning in these stormy waters. The last thing I need is the added burden of this life jacket. Like that, that's what it's like when we don't truly accept Jesus' offer of rest. And this is really important because it's about discipleship. It's about what it means to actually follow Jesus. There's one thing to come to him, but there's the other thing to walk with him. And this is what's doubly beautiful about this invitation, is that he invites us not just to come and receive rest, but to walk under a different kind of yoke, a yoke of lightness, a a yoke of freedom, a yoke of rest, a yoke of oneness with him, which then also means oneness with the Father. Without any stains, without anything in the way, we can truly know a united relationship with God the Father through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So, as the song says, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. There really is a better way to be human. That's what this is about. Um, Jesus, you know, sometimes we can see it as... um, The natural, naturally, you know, we're broken and we're sinful and Jesus comes and does something to us and takes us out of it. But what actually is, is the reality is that God created human beings to be in relationship with him and in his image. And what's unnatural is the fall. The, the, the sin and the brokenness in the world around us, that's not natural. What Jesus does, he comes and actually rehumanizes us. He teaches us how to be a human being in the way we were made, made to be. That's how kind of significant and deep this message is. He, he says, you can be a human being like I am. I'm a human being who carries rest because I'm one with the Father. You can be like that too. Come to me. I will give you rest. Learn from me. Walk with me. Take my yoke. And taking the yoke obviously means taking, agreeing to be a disciple of Jesus and follow him. And you can have rest for your souls. And that, this simple message, I just feel, I just feel this is really big for us right now. Um, just for, I just feel this is, for us as a church, this is an, a key message for this time, for this season. And I think it's a, it's a foundational thing. You know, if we can really get hold of this and learn to live like this, I believe that we can almost kind of be countercultural more, but also just live in greater freedom, live in greater fellowship with God, and be so much more fruitful in our in our lives because we will we will just carry that rest and we will give it to others, and we will we will truly sort of offer something different to to what the world around us offers.